Good morning, everyone. Looks like half our congregation is still in the hallway, but that's all right. Um, I think maybe to ease the pain of Daniel having to talk about awkward middle school, I'm just going to go with a couple words. Aquanet, blue mascara, and earrings big enough that they sat on my shoulders. That was my middle school. Matthew was kind to me today in the scripture that he gave me to read. Um, it's been a couple tough ones he's thrown my way lately. Um, we're going to look in scripture today um, in Matthew, one of the Gospels, Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 15. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Thanks, Janice. Uh, you said that was an easy reading. Maybe it's an easy reading. I don't know if it's an easy prayer. Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I don't think that's what we like to think Jesus said because it seems like, at least as I look at the world, forgiveness is in short supply. I don't know if you, you know, spend any time with different memes or pictures on your favorite social media sites, but, you know, I found a few with some help, and here's, you know, one post that went viral this week. Maybe you saw it. Did anyone see this? It actually made the news in a couple places. Um, and the wedding photographer wrote back to, uh, or wrote this open letter to the person with the iPhone, to the girl with the iPhone, not only did you ruin my shot, but you took this moment away from the groom, the father of the bride, and the bride. And what do you plan to do with this photo exactly? Honestly, are you going to print it out or save it? Are you going to look at it every day? I don't think so. But my bride would have printed this photo, looked at it often, and reminisced over this moment as her dad walked her down the aisle on her wedding day. But instead, you wanted to take a photo with your phone blocking my view and taking a photo that you will not use. Uh, now, she goes on to say actually some good things about you know, not viewing our life through a screen and experiencing a moment uh, if the photographer is a woman. And uh, I think there's something to be said for living in the moment rather than clinging to it through a screen or or capturing it so you can send it to all your fans and followers, but my suspicion is that she's still got a good picture, or he, if that photographer is a he, uh, with their talent and something that was frameable and memorable. But it reminds me of how quick to criticize we are. And why we're so... I don't. What I was thinking about this week is why are we so slow to forgive the wrongs that are done to us? See, other people have thought about this. Um, here's some of the things that uh, the people in the world say. You know, sometimes it's cute. You know, 
I'll be nicer if you be smarter. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit more about fairness. I don't treat people badly. I treat them accordingly. Or that stone you're throwing better hit me because I've got a brick for you. It, it does get a little bit more cutting. Uh, I, I had to weed out the ones that used a lot of other four-letter F-words besides from, um, but I'm going to treat people exactly like they treat me. So be glad or be scared. Uh, I'm not sure who this was, but, you know, there's a little poetry for you. Sweet as sugar, cold as ice. Hurt me once, I'll break you twice. Uh, and I thought this one was actually really fascinating. Had to think about it, read it a few times. You don't have to forgive anyone but yourself for trusting the wrong people in your life. I think that might actually minimize wrongs that are done to you. But if you can't correct them, let them go and let God deal with them. Or this one that says, I can't forgive and forget. I don't actually know if God forgives and forgets. I think God might choose not to remember, though. And lastly, oh, I thought we had one more. No? We don't have one more? Oh, yeah. Lastly, uh, the collective wisdom seems to be saying something like this. Instead of what we heard from Janice, it seems like we think Jesus said, uh, God, give us our daily bread and forgive us our debts, even if we don't forgive our debtors. Because if our Heavenly Father will forgive us, even if we don't forgive those who sin against us. That's not actually what Jesus said, but I think that's what we think he said, because we know the pain, the experiences that we've had in our life, the things that have hurt us sometimes over and over and over, some, uh, some of them too horrible to speak about. But Jesus actually said, forgive us as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. So how often... And how quickly do you forgive? What are you holding today that you've been holding for a long time? Uh, recently, I was with a friend who lost her husband and then her daughter's father to suicide. It was two years and two months ago. And when I've been with people that have lost loved ones to suicide, and especially when they've been married for a long time, uh, often it's hard for those people to reach out and connect with the people who they were friends with as a couple, because oftentimes those couples still do things together, and it's easy to go back to the past, and so I wasn't sure if this person was still reaching out, 
and I had asked about that, and my friend said, well, I have reached out, and we've talked a few times, but we don't really hang out because they're still so angry at my husband for what he did. And I just don't want to go backwards in my healing. Her friends were angry, so they were withholding forgiveness. Now, maybe I'm making a jump, but Paul says to the people in Ephesus what the psalmist said a thousand years before that, in your anger, do not sin. Meaning, we can have anger and we can choose to deal with, use it to constructively get to a different place or right a wrong or correct an injustice, or we can use it destructively. But just because we're angry doesn't mean we sin. We have to make that choice. And sometimes many of us who are struggling to forgive someone or something are holding anger or they're holding a pain or they're holding something even worse. So when restoration was starting, like I'll just say in our first trimester before we were born, it was about 2010, 2011, and... Uh, Christian singer-songwriter Matthew West was having this epiphany as he'd written a couple albums. One was nominated for a Grammy. He thought, what if instead of writing about my life and the, song, the things that I've experienced, I turn the microphone around and I write about other people's stories? And so he asked his followers to send him their stories. And the first album that he made was like, this is your story. And he hoped that, you know, 500 or maybe 600 responses would come in. He booked uh, a cabin, maybe it was a VRBO in the woods, and, and he thought, well, you know, if I can get some material, I can spend a month there, I can write some songs and, you know, share these stories. And two days later, he was blown away when over a thousand emails flooded his inbox. He had to book a second month He had over 10,000 emails or letters from all over the world come in. One of the first ones that came in was actually one of the hardest to write. And so he didn't write it. He carried it around for two years. I mean, every story had heartache or happiness. It actually helped him not produce one or two, but three different albums over the next five years. But he carried this letter around from a woman named Renee. And Renee was a mom. She had four kids, two of which were twin girls, one of which was named Megan. And on May 11th, the day before Mother's Day, Megan and a friend drove to the beach. I think they lived on the coast. And they'd spent the day there. And that evening, early evening, that the doorbell rang, which she thought was weird that the doorbell rang, but she thought maybe her friend was coming to the door first. So she went to open the door, thinking that she was going to be greeting her daughter and her friend. And instead, she saw her sister-in-law in front of her, saying that Megan and her friend had been killed in a car accident. And they both didn't make it. Renee says that she was in such shock that the next thing she remembers was sitting in a courtroom and seeing the 24-year-old man 
who made a terrible mistake and got drunk get sentenced to 22 years in prison. Now, you might say, two, two lives, that's not enough. You might say, he's 24, 22 years, 46, that's, that's a huge chunk of his life. But Renee says, as the weeks and months went on, she wasn't just angry, she had so much rage towards Eric. And she said, you know, he was the one in prison, and yet I was the one that felt locked up. So Renee tried to focus on other things. She started giving presentations about the dangers and consequences of drunk driving. It was somewhat helpful, but over time, she discovered that the anger and the bitterness was just filling up her life so much that it was eating away at her soul. She realized that until she was set free from that, that she was going to remain a prisoner, maybe even longer than Eric. But she didn't want to let go because she thought if she let go, it might mean that what happened didn't matter. And she knew her daughter mattered. See, I think when something happens to us, we carry that around. When we don't forgive, we just hold on to that, whether it's consciously or unconsciously. It becomes this baggage that we bring around. And not just the pain and the hurt from that situation, but the residual anger, the bitterness, the resentment. And we pull it along. And I know that many of you have had terrible, horrible things. And I know that we can look online, we can watch the news, we can listen to each other, and there are terrible, horrible, unjust things that happen every single day. Many of you know, but not all of you know, that we're coming up on a one-year anniversary of when one of our congregation was killed in a tragic car accident. And I was talking to Wes this week, and I said, I'm going to ask you the question that, you know, you kind of don't like me to ask, how are you? And it's a nebulous question that when someone's hurting and in pain, they don't really know how to answer. That's why it's not a great question. So I try to rephrase. And Wes said, I'm, I'm doing okay. There are still hard days. And there's sometimes still pain. And I said, I, I bet there is. So. 
you know, I'm talking about forgiveness, and I want to give you a heads up. And he said, thank you. Actually, I've forgiven the person that did this. I've forgiven the person that did this. Come to, some of you might think that's amazing, but I want to say this as gently as possible. I think Wes has learned and is still learning what maybe some of you know, but my guess is not all of us know, that our resentment and our residual anger changed nothing about the wrong done to us. They don't right that wrong, they don't correct that problem, and they don't even change the other person. In fact, our resentment doesn't even hurt the other person. It only hurts us. How many angry, bitter people do you know that are, are filled with joy? They're like, oh, man, I feel so much better that I carry this resentment around. It just doesn't happen. But probably even most important is the reality that our resentment actually causes us to be so consumed with the past that we're actually destroying our present. I know a mom who lost a 20-year-old daughter in a tragic boating accident. It was eight years ago. And every year, several times a year, she allows herself to be hurt over and over and over as she replays the events from that day that she wasn't at, that she doesn't have all the questions for. But she does have a husband. She does have two other children. And every time she goes back there, it's like she gets sucked into this black hole and misses some of the most important people still in her life. Renee said, soon I learned that I was the one imprisoned. And you might have something that you're still holding on to, and it might be a horrible, horrible thing. It could have been years ago, might have even been decades ago. Like the mom I just talked about, though, you still feel the pain, you still carry the scars, and it's okay to say it's not fair. It's okay to say it's unjust. It's okay to say it was wrong. It was evil. It was awful. Those are all okay things to say. But we have to consider that Jesus says if we refuse to forgive, then God will not forgive us. Is it because if we're saying that we're forgiven by God, but then not offering it, we're hypocrites? Is it that the person who's unable to forgive, who's just grasping onto this unforgiveness, can't receive God's forgiveness? They're closed. Maybe that's why Jesus adds the part about temptation and deliverance from the evil one. See, one translator wrote it this way. 
Lord, help me to forgive. No, excuse me. Lord, forgive us as much as we're willing to forgive everybody else. Man, I would love it if it would have been forgive just that one person instead of everybody else. Because all of a sudden, then it gets really, really big. There's a story that I wasn't able to verify, so I'll just be honest. But there's a story from when Leonardo da Vinci was painting The Last Supper. And at some point, while he was painting, he decided that this person that had wronged him, this enemy of his, he was going to paint that face into Judas Iscariot's face, the one who betrayed Christ. So he did. And yet, as he's finishing the painting and getting to the face of Jesus, he can't paint the face of Jesus. The anger and the bitterness that he had as he painted that enemy's face was with him to the point that it would have, he, he was unable to do that thing. It wasn't until he went back and changed the face of Judas to an unrecognizable one that then he was able to paint the face of Christ. May not be true, but I think it, the point is true. See, when we don't forgive others, we're denying the common ground that we all need as sinners who need God's forgiveness. Because we'll need future forgiveness, even if we don't think we need forgiveness right this moment. And Someone else said that when we don't forgive someone else, it's like we're burning the bridge that we're going to need to cross to enter heaven. So how do we forgive someone or something that seems unforgivable? I think it starts with the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Interesting that Jesus didn't say to his students, make sure that you use God's proper name, Yahweh, or Lord God Almighty, or Divine Holy Supreme One. It's interesting that Jesus didn't say, like, my father isn't my father, or even just my father isn't your personal God. But he said, our Father. Jesus, Heavenly Father, my Father, your Father, and everyone else who calls on his name. And that means that we're all God's kids. And when we start there, we think about a perfect Heavenly Father. One who we can go to with every hurt and who wants to hear about it. And we can be honest about it and we can state what it is and how wrong it is and he hears us. The Psalms are filled with cries like that. We can tell him what happened and we can do so without slandering or vilifying the other person. We can just cry out about it. Because our Father wants all of us to be healed. 
and he knows that we can't be healed if we keep hiding something. I think that's why when Jesus comes to people who obviously need healing, he still says, tell me what you want me to do for you. I used to think, well, that's, why are you doing that? The guy's crippled. The guy can't walk. Don't you think he'd want to walk? Or the blind person, they can't see. Don't you think that they would want to see? But I think Jesus was hitting something, that there's power when we admit our need. This is what I need you to do. When we start with our Heavenly Father, and we realize that he's our Heavenly Father, then it means we have to think about how we treat his other kids. And we go and we seek reconciliation with our Heavenly Father's family. Now, this might be a different situation to the thing that you're holding with unforgiveness, but there are things that we often withhold from each other. They might be smaller, but reconciliation is a part of forgiveness. It's a bigger part of forgiveness. We can forgive someone and not be restored in relationship with them. When we reconcile, we're wanting to be back in relationship with them. It's if, you know, you had lots of siblings growing up, and there was maybe, uh, well, when I grew up, it was WWF, the World Wrestling Federation, before we knew it was fake, but we had a hunch. But, you know, brothers and sisters that fought like that, and then they might even give each other the silent treatment. And as a parent, I now look back on my own situation like that and realize my parents' silence wasn't that they didn't know what to do. It was that I was breaking their heart. I think it breaks God's heart when we don't love and honor and respect his other kids. It's not easy, but Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 5. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, if you are coming for worship to God, and you realize or remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift, go and be reconciled, and then come and offer it. In other words, reconciliation with God's family comes before worship of God. That's how much this matters to God. We've got to seek reconciliation. We've got to restore those relationships. Because again, unforgiveness is not hurting the other person. It's only hurting us. I've said it before. I'll say it again because it's a great quote from Anne Lamont. Not forgiving is like eating rat poison, believing the other person's going to die. See, oftentimes the offender doesn't even know the extent to which we're hurting. It's almost like some of us live in a prison of offense because of this wrong, and we're the ones that are locked up. And forgiveness is the key that sets us free. That's why we release. We release the other person, the offender, so that we can be set free. 
when I was talking to Wes and said, wow, I'm really thankful that you're able to say that you forgave this person. He said, well, it's not going to change the past. He can't fix what he did. So I, I'm going to forgive. Forgiveness is an action we do rather than an attitude or a feeling we have. If you wait until you feel like forgiving, you're going to be waiting a long time. When we do it, the peace comes after that. And it doesn't mean we let go of what happened. It, doesn't, it means we let go of the possibility of a better past and all the pain that is with that. Forgiveness isn't surrendering what happened, it's actually surrendering it to God. And forgiveness isn't giving up our rights to justice. Forgiveness actually guarantees God's justice in, in that situation. And again, it does not mean everything's okay, automatically have reunion of relationship. That's where reconciliation has to happen. But forgiving the offender means that we give up the right to get even that we can even pray God's best for that person, even if we never see them again. We want God to bless them. And that's what the Holy Spirit of God did to Renee. Pursued her and talked to her about forgiveness and freedom to the point that for Renee, that meant going to the prison and sitting face to face with the 24-year-old kid named Eric who killed her daughter. And she looked him in the eye and she said, Eric, I serve a God who commands me to forgive and I need to be set free as much as you do. And so I forgive you. You're a good young man who made a terrible, tragic mistake. I don't hold it against you. And in that moment, she said she was freed. She felt the release that she had longed for. But even more miraculous is Eric was transformed. Eric said he couldn't even forgive himself and this woman came to him and offered that forgiveness. And even more than that, inspired by what their mom did, one by one, Every one of Renee's family members either wrote to or met with Eric and offered that forgiveness. Can you imagine? Eric found faith in Christ. And the family continued to develop such a unique friendship with Eric that this mom says, I feel like I gained a son. When Matthew West was finally able to write the song, he invited Renee and Eric on tour. Now, not all of us can do what Renee did. Sometimes a situation is locked in the past. It is, we, we just can't go backwards. Other times, someone has moved on and to go back to them would bring so much damage to their present life that it's better to not do it. And sometimes the offender is so unsafe to be around that you just can't do it. 
But that's not Renee's story. And Renee's story is a whole lot like the story. See, Renee didn't just stop at forgiveness. The transformation was so powerful that she and her family actually went to the judge to plead that his sentence would be reduced from 22 years to 11 years. The judge actually said to them, and the jury too, it's okay to hold a grudge. And she said, it was okay for a while. But now I'm freed of that. And more than that, Eric made this tragic mistake taking the life of two young girls, but his life has been transformed and we have forgiven him. Eric said, even if the judge says no, my life has changed. I'm forever grateful that you would advocate for me. Even after all the hurt I've caused you, the judge actually granted the reduction. And today, Eric is free in more ways than one, but even more, so is Renee. Friends, this is the story. We believe in a God, a heavenly Father, that is waiting and willing to hear our case as a perfect judge. Perfect in holiness, perfect in righteousness. Not just hear our case, we have an advocate in Jesus Christ who is willing to plead our case, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. He's lived the perfect life as the willing human being, fully devoted to God, fully loving God and fully loving others, and we kill them for it, and he rose from the dead, and he gives us the Holy Spirit, and he changes the world today so that these stories aren't just stories, that these are the real, the ultimate reality. We don't deserve God's forgiveness. We can't earn God's forgiveness, but he freely offers it over and over. Maybe it makes sense that we would turn around and forgive someone else. How many homes will be healed if we offered each other forgiveness? How many relationships would be restored in families if we offered that kind of forgiveness? How many marriages will be transformed if we offered that kind of forgiveness? How many friendships wouldn't just be redeemed, but would be beautiful examples of Christ's love if we forgave? And we'll never forgive each other more than Jesus has forgiven us. The more you walk with God, I think the more you realize how much you fall short, and God continues to be gracious. And maybe if you're having a difficult time forgiving, it's actually because you're not sure if you're forgiven. So as the band comes up, I just want you to consider the Lord's Prayer again. Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive those 
as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's a risky prayer, which is why Matthew West said it took him two years to write the song. In fact, in the end, he couldn't even write the forgiveness chorus as a statement. He had to write it as a prayer. Show me how to love the unlovable. Show me how to reach the unreachable. Help me now to do the impossible. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. A prayer of forgiveness may not change the other person, but it will absolutely change you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, would you show us where we're holding a grudge? Where we're still angry? Where we have unforgiveness? God, would you bring to mind a person that you care about that we might need to talk to? God, would you show us if there's someone that we need to go and be reconciled with? We've wronged them. And we need to ask for their forgiveness. Holy Spirit, show us if we need to look in the mirror. Because the person that we need to forgive the most is ourself. Father, change our hearts. With a hard and challenging topic. God, we acknowledge the pain and the hurt and some unspeakable things that have been done and have been done to people in this room. And we pray that you would bring healing. Jesus, we thank you that you advocate for us. That you have redeemed us. That you have paid the penalty for what we deserve. God, some of us have, in our anger, in our pain, in our resentment, have acted in harsh, unhelpful, and unhealthy ways. Others of us have lived for our own plans, not your plans, even at the expense of others. God, we need your power to forgive. God, we need your power to release those things. God, we need your power to be transformed and offer that to someone else. So God, if if someone's here carrying around that hurt through confessing even today, Would you replace it with peace? God, would you let someone be able to release the resentment so that they can replace it with your love? Jesus, thank you for making a way for each of us who say, your Savior, 
you live the perfect life. You died a perfect death. And you offer life in your name. God, we turn over the controls. We turn from our sin. We trust you. Bring healing. Bring hope.